Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Hey, thanks for joining me on another episode of Okay-ish. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes too. I am really excited about what I have in store for all of you, including some other therapists that are coming on here to chat about how they're only okay-ish. I'm also going to do some little crash courses on different mental health disorders. And as usual, I will keep talking about how okay it is to just be okay-ish. So stay tuned. But for today, I want to talk about a really interesting topic. Originally today, I was going to talk about some of my journey into therapy, both personally and professionally. But as I was preparing for this week's episode, something really interesting happened. I was asked some questions and given a lot of great compliments by all of you amazing listeners that have really had me thinking about vulnerability. So instead, I changed my mind. And today, we're going to focus a little bit on insecurities and vulnerability and how all of that relates to your okay-ish life. Don't worry, I'll still sprinkle a little bit of what I was originally going to talk about with my journey into therapy personally and professionally. But with what's been happening this week, and I'll dive into it a little bit more, I thought this topic was a little more appropriate. All right, so let's get right into this oh-so-light and airy topic about vulnerabilities. Just FYI, if you want to learn more about vulnerability, please, please check out Brene Brown. She is the vulnerability expert. Like she has dedicated her life's work to researching and learning about vulnerability. She writes awesome books. She gives amazing TED Talks. She probably does a lot of other stuff too, but those are how I know her. But for today in talking about vulnerability, since she's the expert, instead of using Google's definition, I'm going to use Brene Brown's definition. Her definition of vulnerability is uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Sounds super fun, right? Sign me up. (laughs) So Brene Brown talks a lot about how vulnerability is really scary, but it's actually a huge strength. Again, read all her stuff. I promise it's life-changing. So here's why I'm talking about vulnerability today. Like I was saying, I've had a number of people commend me on how brave it is to start a podcast and given me lots of amazing compliments, how I must be confident and killing it and must be feeling great because I started this podcast. Guess what? That's not true. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's awesome. I'm having a blast. I am learning so much, meeting lots of new people. It's really incredible. I'm having so much fun. It's awesome. But some of it, and by some of it, I mean like 80%, is absolutely terrifying. The reason it's terrifying, I'm glad you asked, it's because it's really vulnerable. 
I feel really emotionally exposed. I'm sharing my views and some of my stories for all to hear and then subsequently judge. Sounds fun, right? It's actually really, really uncomfortable. So to give you a little background of my own vulnerability journey and kind of why I switched the topic for today, when I was 26 years old, I had been working in the mental health field since the age of 21. And at 26, I got a job as a director of a community-based mental health program. Super high up fancy job. I supervised around 55 people, I think. I had no clue what I was doing. I was in way over my head. So as you can imagine, after about six months of trying to pretend like I knew what I was doing, trying to ask for help and not really getting it because in the setting, everyone was so overloaded that they didn't have time to help me, feeling like I should know what I was doing and I didn't, trying to fake it, I got fired. Technically, they asked me to resign. They were actually really nice about it. If you're going to get fired, it was a really, really good experience because they told me that I was great. It just, I was in over my head and I needed more experience. I'm going to be honest. I really don't talk about this much. I've definitely never told as many people who are listening right now about this. So yeah, that vulnerability thing, definitely feeling it right now. Anyways, that happened. (laughs) So as you can imagine, my confidence was shot, absolutely shot. I had already experienced a ton of vulnerability with being a new therapist, feeling really strong imposter syndrome feelings. For those of us that don't know, imposter syndrome means feelings of inadequacy despite success, right? That emotional exposure of, am I really qualified to do this job? My definition of imposter syndrome, how I felt it, was more feelings of, what the hell am I doing? I hate, I'm not qualified to do any of this. No one should hire me. And then the thing is, those feelings, those feelings of vulnerability, those feelings of imposter syndrome came true with this job. All those insecurities were like, yep, you shouldn't be a therapist. We're going to fire you. Needless to say, it was obviously a great time in my life. <laughs> So it was June when I was let go, and in true overachiever fashion, by the next day, I had applied for over 30 jobs. That summer, I applied for probably over 100 jobs. I got rid of the spreadsheet I used. Um, I interviewed at over 20 places and was offered about five different positions. It was a pretty busy unemployment for me. (laughs) And, you know, in between applying for all these jobs... I spent most of my time Googling CEOs who have previously been fired to make myself feel better. You should try it sometime. There's a lot of them out there. So anyways, during my summer of vulnerability, whenever I would be offered a job, I would call my mom crying. I had been so miserable in my last job that even the thought of going into another similar setting was seriously just too much for me to handle. I had realized that I didn't really want to work in that setting any longer. I wanted to work in a private practice setting, but I honestly felt too vulnerable for that. I felt too insecure. I felt too, I don't have enough experience. I'm too young. Insert whatever insecurity there was, I felt it. So I kept obsessively applying, interviewing, getting jobs, calling my mom, and then turning those jobs down because I didn't want them. It was kind of a ridiculous cycle now that I'm saying it out loud. (laughs) 
So as you can imagine, I ended up biting the bullet and doing it. That September, I opened my private practice full time. But my vulnerability didn't stop there. Actually, my vulnerability and imposter syndrome got more intense in some ways because there were new things to be raw and exposed about as a business owner. So lately, when people have been making comments about this new endeavor that I've taken on, and by new endeavor, I mean this podcast that we're listening to right now, as amazing as it is and as good as it makes me feel that people compliment me, it is so vulnerable. All right, now let's relate this all all back to you. First of all, I hope you're getting the gist that vulnerability is okay and actually a really good thing, even though it's uncomfortable. Hopefully, I helped us to realize that that summer vulnerability for me was actually a really great learning experience. But secondly, you know how I've been trying to destigmatize therapy, share how therapy can be really fun and funny and not scary at all, and everyone should do it, and it's so awesome. Well, all of that's true, but I should probably mention that it can be really vulnerable. So two really big things that I have learned from being a therapist that I want to tell you about today. So the first thing is people do not... I repeat, do not like to feel uncomfortable. Remember how I said that vulnerabilities help us grow, but we feel uncomfortable in the process? Most people say they want to grow, but deep down, I'm sure we can all relate to this in one way or another, deep down because of our vulnerabilities, we're like, nah, it's okay. I'll stay in my comfort zone. And you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's how we're taught to respond to vulnerabilities. But in the therapy room, you guys, I love to get uncomfortable in there. I love to get to the raw, exposed, vulnerable shit. I always joke that anytime someone cries in my office, I get a bonus. Not that I want to make people cry necessarily, but crying is often a sign of vulnerability. It's often a sign of growth. It's a sign of processing through our emotional baggage. By the way, the answer to the question that most of you might be thinking is yes, people cry in therapy all the time, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you will when you go to therapy. Don't worry. And people cry for so many different reasons. But I personally think that one of the biggest reasons is because they're exposed. We're talking about this crap that's been built up inside of us. And when we're exposed emotionally, That's freaking weird and uncomfortable and scary. But I promise you, it's also really, really awesome. So with all that being said, going to therapy is literally one of the most bravest and most vulnerable things we can do because we're exposing all that stuff that we're taught not to expose that we've probably spent years trying to shove deep down. It is so brave and so cool And it's awesome that I'm able to see that process happen. So I do something really controversial in the therapy room. When someone cries, I do not hand them a tissue. There are tissues that they can take. And a lot of my clients will lean next to the couch on the side table and take a tissue. But I never hand them one. Never have, never will. Now, some therapists believe that handing over a tissue is a simple act of kindness that can be shared with a client. And I agree, 
I don't disagree with that view, but I have a different view. I never want anyone to feel like they need to wipe away their tears. Maybe it sounds a little bit crazy, but I want those tears to come. I don't want people to feel bad that they're crying or that me handing a tissue subconsciously means that I want them to wipe away their tears. If they want a tissue, I have tissues everywhere in my office. But I honestly feel so honored to be in that space with people and their tears that I really don't want anyone to feel like they need to wipe them away for any reason. Okay, sorry about that. I digressed a little bit talking about tears and crying. But thing number two that I have learned about vulnerability from being a therapist is that often when people say they're being vulnerable, they're not. I know some people are truly vulnerable and wonderful, and I commend all of those people look up to and respect, but a lot aren't. And you know what? It's okay that they aren't. Life would be kind of a mess if we were all walking around all day just being vulnerable. We would have trouble getting things done. But the problem with that is that in this day and age, people are often walking around pretending to be vulnerable. Actually, I'm going to rephrase that. People are being more vulnerable. I don't want to use the word pretending. People are more exposed, which is really great. But the problem is that's not all of it. We often will see people on social media in real life that are showing a layer of vulnerability, and that's great. But that's not all the vulnerability. There's a whole crap ton of layers of vulnerability under what people are showing as vulnerable. You know that hashtag no filter? I'm telling you, there's always a filter. And that's okay, but it's important to remember that. It's important to remember that when people post on Instagram a vulnerable post, that is commendable and awesome that they are making a vulnerable post. But even if you can't relate to that, that's okay because of all those crap ton layers of vulnerability underneath that post. So because I'm an entrepreneur, when I scroll through Facebook and Instagram, I get so many ads for online entrepreneurial courses. All the ads start with something like this. Are you scared to quit your nine to five? I was too. That's why I developed this system or course, blah, 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 blah. Now, before I go on, I am not saying anything bad about these ads. I've heard wonderful things about some of these programs and admitting to an audience that you were scared to quit your nine to five and go into business is a form of vulnerability. And that's awesome. But like I was saying a second ago, I want us all to go deeper. I want us to go beyond the hashtag no filters and stories of being scared way back when to being vulnerable now. I want us to get to those crap ton layers of vulnerability underneath. So the other day I was having a really crappy day. There were a few minor annoyances of things that happened, and I was definitely overtired and stressed. But overall, there wasn't some huge reason I was having a crappy day. I just was. So I ran into a colleague on this crappy day and we did the usual pleasantries of, hey, how are you? And I responded and said, you know what? I'm pretty crappy. This person looked at me with honestly a look of horror and shock that I said I was crappy instead of saying the obligatory, oh, I'm fine. How are you? And they responded by asking what's wrong. And, you know, it was so nice of them to ask what was wrong and to care about what's going on with me. But also, how messed up is that? That there has to be something wrong in order to have a crappy day. 
But if I'm not feeling the obligatory good or fine, there must be something seriously going on. Something doesn't have to be wrong to have a bad day. Maybe you're just feeling a little extra vulnerable that day. You don't need a reason to feel bad, just like you don't need a reason to feel good. I mean, hopefully we're feeling good more often than we're feeling bad. That's the goal, right? But this culture of, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then when we say we're not fine and everyone's saying, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? Although asking that is a really, really great sentiment. And people need to be asked what's going on with them so they have the opportunity to feel vulnerable. I think it's also important to recognize that there doesn't have to be something wrong or bad about not having a great day. It's just a feeling and feelings are okay. So this all reminds me of that children's book. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. The book goes through this little boy named Alexander and why his day is just not going in his favor. The book ends by basically saying that some days are just like that and that's okay. I bet Brene Brown would really like this book. I bet she would say something like, embrace the bad day and vulnerabilities and growth that comes from it. You guys, maybe one day we can get Brene Brown to listen to this podcast. How vulnerable would that be? We also don't always feel bad when we're feeling vulnerable. Being in love, that's a wonderful feeling, but it's also so vulnerable. But we can grow from that. You know, it kind of sucks. We've gotten away from this children's book. We've gotten into using vulnerabilities to get followers and sell ads. And again, that's an amazing layer of vulnerability that we're showing. But are we showing the deep, real shit? Are we showing those amazing in love feelings of vulnerability or those horrible, sad, crappy, uncomfortable feelings of vulnerability? I've been challenged to feel vulnerable in the past few weeks when people have said things about this podcast. It's been awesome and hard. And you know what? That's okay. Because you guys, let me tell you, getting to that real shit, although it's uncomfortable, That's pretty okay-ish. Disclaimer, this podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.